Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Our Voice Podcast. I'm Neil Voles. And I am Desmond Mead, Executive Director of Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. And we are happy to have you back with us this week on a special edition of Our Voice Podcast. And this is a special edition, man. I've been excited about this one. How was your week, Desmond? Yeah, man, listen, let me tell you, before we even get to my week, man, let me tell you, we got... An amazing uh, uh, guest that's going to be with us this evening, man. I mean, this dude right here is like creme de la creme. You know what I'm saying? Straight all-star. Uh, I mean, a uh, 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 real... Box office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, hey, hey, and it's not, it's not a movie star, man. But guess what? He is a star in our community, man. He's one... As a matter of fact, let me tell you something. He's a member of the Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity. Yes. Come on. Yes, indeed. He's honoring the 40 most influential and prominent black professionals in South Florida under the age of 40. Yeah, listen, even though he looks like he's uh, younger than 25, right? Uh, Bank yeah. Atlantic, Nonprofit <laughs> Academy Awards is one of Broward College's Nonprofit Leaders of the Year. Come on, <laughs> JM Family Enterprises Annual African American Achievers Award for Community Service. And for those of y'all that like to make it rain, guess what? He was a U.S. Department of Commerce Minority Advocates, Entrepreneurs, and Lifetime Achievers. Oh, man. Come on, Des. We got to get this conversation going. Who are we talking about man, here, man? We're talking about Mr. Newton. Sanin. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to the show, Mr. Sanin. Check it out. We're going to bring him on in a minute, man, but I really want to, because I think that a lot of the stuff that's been happening over the last couple of weeks really lead up to it. Like our last episode, we talked about what second chance hiring. We had returning citizens on that was not only uh, 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 entrepreneurs, but they were hiring other returning citizens. We had a business owner come on who was not a returning citizen, but he knew that his livelihood, right? Uh, he, I think he wrote, uh, owned a roofing company. That's right, that's he right. He hired a, a bunch of returning citizens, right? And we're talking about how do we, uh, uh, like, break down these barriers and stuff like that, right? And I got to tell you, everywhere I go, you know, I mean, you just run into somebody and they're talking about the economy, they're yeah. talking about small businesses, they're talking about getting jobs, and, and then inevitably it comes up. Yep. Wait a minute, there's all these amazing folks looking for work, and there's these barriers that uh, inevitably are sitting there, right? <laughs> well, Neil, let me tell you, we're doing a lot, of, a lot of talking, but last weekend I actually did some talking about voting rights. Yeah, right? you did <laughs> up in DC, man. Yeah, tell man. us about it. I was at the uh I was at one of the rallies, uh, and this one was actually at the Lincoln Memorial. I stood in the exact same spot that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. stood in when he delivered his I Have a Dream speech. And I was uh, afforded the opportunity to really talk about returning citizens and, you know, the fight to restore voting rights to people with felony convictions. And, and, and I had, you know, just a couple minutes, but I really wanted to just highlight a lot of, like, the amazing work that's going on across the country, not just the work that we did with FRC and, and restoring voting rights to 1.4 million returning citizens in Florida, but the work others was doing in states like North Carolina, Louisiana, and California. And so it really felt good. I was nervous because it was hot, you know what I'm saying? And it was, I mean, I just felt like I was out there in the open, but it was um, a transformative 
uh, experience, and, and I was um, honored to at least have the right to speak on behalf of other returning citizens. I, I, I got to tell you, man, it was really cool to see you. That's sacred space, yeah. you know, and you brought it. You were talking about kind of like, hey, the, the, the chain's only as strong as the weakest link, right? Yeah. And so we, we, we want to make our state and our country better. We got to focus on folks that have some hurdles in front yeah. of us, you know, and, and, and man, I just thought that was super powerful. Huh? And, and you're right, man. You know, no matter how much we we strengthen the other links in the chain, if you don't strengthen the weakest link, then you could only hold or carry as much as that weakest link can bear. And and that's why, you know, when we talk, that's why I'm excited to have, you know, Mr. Sandin on, man, because when we talk about, you know, how do we strengthen those uh, segments of society Right, had been that has been marginalized or or pushed to the fringes, right? Because we know that if people like us, right, returning citizens, don't have access to jobs and education, then how could we, you know, prosper as citizens? How could we pay our fair share ter- uh, a share of taxes? Buy a house, you know what I'm right? Buy our, stimulate the economy. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, 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 increase the livelihood of our democracy if we are prevented from engaging in that, right? And let me tell you, one of the baddest man that I know in the entire United States. Yes, I'm saying it here right now, live come on, on the show. Come on. The baddest man that I know that is skilled at removing those obstacles and allowing returning citizens to uh, 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 be, be, uh, get economic empowerment, right? To 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 in- increase their level of confidence, to be able to get access to jobs and housing and education. The baddest man I know in this entire country. Who's that? His name is not Biden. What his name is is Sanon. Nice. Right, for real. Sanon makes it happen. And so I am excited to bring this guy on, man. I tell you, I, I, I've known him for quite a number of years. I've seen him in action. I've seen him take a small shop and turn it into a huge uh, operation that's uh, transforming I mean, You're talking lives. a big, big operation that's oh, transforming man, real, I mean, Come on, we're gonna hear it listen, first. Yeah. Time from you know what? Yeah. I don't even want to delay it anymore, man. Because you know what? It's unfair to our audience, man. Let's bring uh, Newton Sandin on. New, what's up? Hey, Welcome to how's the it going, man? Y'all are far too kind. I need. I will send the checks later on for those great endorsements. You are too kind, and and listen. And before we go on, I, I want to express my and reciprocate my appreciation. Uh, there's for you. Say, I'm just getting to know you, but there's, listen, I need to say this with absolute sincerity, man. I And I deeply mean this. We don't celebrate each other enough. Uh, to watch your journey, cheering you on from the sidelines, uh, the fearlessness. Um, we know that the work is certainly not easy. Uh, the level of perseverance you've expressed, you know, throughout the years, man, yeah, I deeply appreciate having a brother in the movement. So, I, too, have a deep appreciation and affinity for your efforts and leadership, my brother. So thank you for all you do as well. Man, that's what's up. Let me tell you, um, that level of, of connectivity is so strong. And I think the reason why it's so is because, man, you're operating under the love for people, man. And that's something that we here at FRC believes that, man, that we need to place people over personalities. We need to place people over politics. Right. And, and, And address the needs that impact them the most. And I've seen you just be driven by that. You know, and, and it's been a source of inspiration to me, too, as well. So I definitely appreciate that, bro. 
Yeah. No problem. And Mr. No Sandin, I, I just got to add to hear Des talk about you when you ain't around, right? <laughs> like it is like such a sincere appreciation for the impact on real people's lives. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes there's the there's what you read in the paper and then there's hearing him talk about somebody who's real life. You know, the, your life is being used to impact real lives, man. Come on. I'm, let's dig in, huh? Hey, can we get a round yes. of applause for Mr. Sandin? Yeah. <laughs> That's what's up, man. Y'all are kind, man. I deeply appreciate it. So, Neil, you want to dive in? Yeah, man. I, I, part of me is just uh, thinking about you just had a 20. 20- at the anniversary celebration, right? And I, I think so those are the kind of moments where maybe you could take us back a little bit. To, to tell, tell, tell our listeners in the audience, you know, kind of what, what was it like when you started? What were some of the stumbling blocks that you, you, you know, you had? And, and a little bit about your story, man. Sure. Thank you. Yes, we did just have our 20th year celebration. Um, man, it's been quite the labor of love. Um, you know, it started off, people know the story, some do, some don't. Uh, it was myself and a part-time secretary. Uh, and the organizational budget, not program, the entire organization's budget, including my paper, pencils, books, you know, rent, you know, equipment, computers was $125,000. And we had to figure every single thing out with that budget. Um, but I got to tell you, I had such a deep conviction about the mission of our founder, Reverend Leon Sullivan, who started this organization in the 60s uh, in the civil rights era. Uh, this need to empower people. And it goes along with the old adage, you can give a man a fish or teach him how to fish and he will eat for a lifetime. I just believe so deeply in that. And so introduced to the mission at an early age uh, where I just think it was aligned with my purpose, my passion, and to align it with profession. Uh, my personal journey of really believing in people's ele- elevating their sense of self through training and jobs and being introduced to this mission, it was a perfect alignment. I think it's a bit of divine intervention, um, but it was difficult. There's no doubt about that. But the irony of this day is the same perseverance that we try to impart on our people as an organization and as professionals, we're really coming along the same journeys. Those days where you think it's, you know, it's not going to happen for you. you know, I remember days taking a pay cut and forgetting my paycheck to make sure my staff ate because I knew there would be better days. And so that same inspiration and that perseverance spirit one that was necessary back then. It's what has brought us where we are year to date, but it's also what we hope to model for the people that we look to serve in terms of promoting economic mobility through training and jobs. So it's a labor of love that I continue to embrace, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to serve you. Hey, hey, dude, check this out, right? Me and Neil, we've been debating for for a couple of days now, right? You've You've got to settle this debate, right? And okay. I know Neil wanted to ask you this, but he was a little nervous if he didn't want to be wrong, right? But yeah. you ready for the million dollar question? What does yeah. OIC stand for, man? <laughs> well, I, you know, when I answer the question, you'll understand why we typically go about OIC. So OIC it stands for Opportunities Industrialization Centers. And you got to think in the 60s, we were an industrialized nation. Mm-hmm. And so Reverend Sullivan put that together. And it was interesting because somebody then says to him, oh, I see. And he said, yes, we're going to go by OIC because we're not an industrialized nation anymore. But certainly from a branding continuity standpoint, 
can imagine we kept the name and we hope to make sure that it's more about the mission and how we realize it than the name. But that's how we came to be OIC. All right. All right. We we got it. Yep. Yep. So we both was right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. But could you, uh, and I think it's very important for our viewers and listeners, what is the mission of OIC? What a matter of fact, don't give me the standard mission statement, right? That's right. At the end of the day, give it to me, blood raw. What does OIC do? Absolutely. Look, Reverend Sullivan felt like there's so many ways nonprofit, community-based organizations contribute to the betterment of mankind, community, etc. You know, you got people that are working on health care. Now, you've got to have health care, and that's undeniably and fundamentally a priority. You got people that work on housing issues. Certainly, we all need a place to lay our head. You got folk working on uh, cures to cancer, people that are finding out homelessness, etc., Etc. But he believed you could be overwhelmed and daunted by the enormity of the challenges in our community. And he said, if I could make the biggest impact, what would it be? And he said it was jobs because a jobs is so much more than about money and income. And though that's important, too. If you have a good job or better yet, even a career, you can afford and it would yield itself to good health care. If you have a good job and or career, you can afford to buy a house to lay your head. But I think, gentlemen, beyond that, it's really about passion. It's about purpose and tying that into a profession because it's so much more than about money. You know, guys, I remember in 1998, you know, I was a little PR intern with the Miami Dolphins. And I remember watching from afar being a part of my studies in psychology. And my boss, Dave O'Connor, he got into a little bit of a tiff with his assistant, Mary, and he said to her, why are you always ordering business cards? We just ordered a box of business cards all the time. But gentlemen, from a side, I watched what was going on. And the reason why people gave away their business cards so much because of the social validation it gave, you had a job. But not just a job, but you were affiliated with the Miami Dolphins. And so again, a job gives people a sense of pride. It gives them a sense of self-esteem. You're modeling a behavior that you show that your kids for generations to come. You grew up watching mom and daddy get up, get dressed in spite of how tired they meet, and go to work and earn a living. Lastly, if you think about it, rightly or wrongly so, those first 30 seconds when you meet someone and you size them up, we all do it if we're honest. And then that 30 seconds when you ask, well, what do you do for a living? And right or wrong, a level of respect or credence is established by what they do for a living and or have a job at all. And so I think that's where our value proposition is. We give people hope. We give them an opportunity for economic self-sufficiency to feed their families and to model a, a behavior for generations to come give them a sense of vitality and be a contributing member of society. So that's who we are. Well, I got to tell you, I was was connecting deeply with what you were talking about. I remember when I got my felony conviction and and then I couldn't get a job for a while and I was kind of wandering and I looked back on it and I said, it was that moment when I got hired that suddenly I was like, man, that feeling of dignity came back, you know, purpose, yeah. food on the table, you know, had a little kind of wind behind my sails. So there you go. totally tracking with what you're saying. And, and, and we see it in all the data in terms of the, the ability for people to reintegrate in the community successfully. So often goes hand in hand with the ability to get a job. So, but I do. That's right. I, I think about what you guys do at OIC and, and your leadership. And I know like 10,000 plus 
people, like real human beings have been helped out on the workforce side. And you get tens of thousands sure. of folks on, on, on the other side of your business. You guys are just helping a lot of people. And I know those are big numbers and we know that numbers only tell part of the story. There are a couple like individuals or stories that kind of stick out as you think about looking back that you just remember, man, that that that, that woman, that, that that guy, that that just empowered uh, th- their lives and encouraged the rest of us in the process. Absolutely. The the first thing that comes to mind is Quentin Washington. I'm going to be fully transparent with you all because I don't know any other way. And I think that your audience and you all deserve that. Look, when I first got introduced to working with returning citizens, and granted, we don't just serve returning citizens. Our mission is slated to serve all underserved communities who are unemployed, underemployed, and marginalized. And unfortunately, in those communities, there have to be a lot of people who are going into incarceration and we serve returning citizens. So it's a, it's a byproduct of our mission and something we embrace proudly. But I'll tell you, when I first got introduced to this work, I didn't know a lot about it. Like many, I had the stereotypes in my mind, right? And I didn't know, you know, are these people going to lash out at me? I mean, you just don't know. But I remember in our early days, there was a gentleman, Quentin Washington. Quentin showed up to our organization, and, and I stereotyped him. I will fully admit that. Quentin had gold teeth from top to bottom, dreads, tattoos on his neck, the pants was hanging down, and he came to our organization saying he wanted to be an EMT. And I said, you want to be an EMT? You mean the person that when somebody may be facing some dire health circumstances and you're going to be the first thing they see? And I stereotype them. I want to be fully transparent about my journey and how I learned to overcome that. Fast forward, I said, but you know what? This brother is showing up to class every single day. He's on time. And in fact, he was early. And I said to my people, you know what? We're doing this wrong. You know what? We shouldn't We shouldn't be the one to determine whether or not he could do be an EMT. If he's willing to put the work in, if he's willing to put the commitment, let's come alongside him in this journey. Fast forward. We got him into the training. He then passed. He then was slated to pass his state board exam. And then he had to declare that he was a felon. A felon and we had to put our name on the line to advocate for him. One of my staff drew all the way with him up to Tallahassee. I wrote a letter for him. Not only did he pass his state board, we then partnered with American Ambulance, a a local ambulatory company here. They hired Quentin for us and with us. They were so impressed with him. Gentlemen, the CEO of the company took notice of Quentin, right? He was doing so well when the CEO's son came to join the company. Guess who he paired with him to teach and train and mentor his son, Quentin? Last but not least, we won an award in 2007, it was. It's called the Honor of Hope Award, given from the White House. Now, gentlemen, think about how many nonprofit organizations there are in a county, let alone the entire state of Florida. We won an award because of Quentin's story of perseverance from the White House. And this award is only given to one nonprofit throughout the entire state of Florida. And we won the award. I tell everybody this story because I always want to be transparent about my imperfections. Uh, 17 years ago, that was and how I got introduced and was inspired by people like Quentin to show. If you give people an opportunity, 
Not only will they deliver for you, they will elevate you, your organization will be a model for generations to come. And so that's a story that I will always remember. Mm-hmm. And after that, Quentin even got his colleagues hired from that same company as well. Until this day, I still stay in touch with Quentin because he inspires me because he's still doing well 17 years later. So, so Newt, how did, so I, I'm glad you said that because now you brought some, uh, 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 a good, a good um, uh, discussion point right now. How do you have those type of conversations with, say, uh, prospective uh, 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 employers or businesses about judging a person by their looks like you know if we got gold teeth if we got tattoos because i remember there used to be a time when we used to tell young black men oh you got to cut your dreads off right yeah if if you want a job or you got to get rid of those gold teeth or you got to hide those tattoos right but with the experience that you just talked about with quentin i'm interested in the kind of uh 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 uh, uh, talking points that you can use to uh, uh, have people look past those stigmas and and really give a person an opportunity to show their like true worth. No, I, I so deeply appreciate that that question because I think a lot of times we think it's just about programs, but it's about advocacy and it's about getting the broader community to be more sensitized to giving people opportunities. It's the purpose of your show, so you guys are starting to do that already. But let me answer your question. I think it starts by us, our, our organization, all of us who get into this work of serving returning citizens, recognizing that there's two there's two audiences. Uh, my friend, brother Rick Beasley, like to say that the job seeker or returning citizen is the product, and the the employer um, is the customer. Um, some don't really see it like that, but I tend to agree with Rick. And for me, it starts the first thing in that process, uh, uh, I'll tell you, Des, is making sure that we meet these returning citizens where they are and do our best to get them prepared. Because we can't even begin to tell the story to the employer or the broader business community if we don't first meet them where they are and get them prepared. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's wise to take an altruistic approach to this work especially within the context of getting people jobs. I don't think it's solely or at least not initially about saying, well, help him out or help her out because it's the nice thing to do. I tend to like to talk to business people at their language. They got to run a business. And so my responsibility first and foremost is to do everything I can, providing case management services, stabilizing that person, whether it's healthcare, whether it's housing or whatever, and then most importantly, training them, getting them a certification to be prepared for that job. Because I want them to compete because of merit, not because of altruism. So that's the first part. Prepare these folks. Let's work with them. Let's get them prepared. Then I go to the employer and I say, look, we've done everything we can. We've read your job announcement. We've matched the specs of what you're looking for. And we from top to bottom prepared Mr. Such and Such for this job. I start there. And then after I agree that there's a, we agree that there's alignment that he or she's prepared for the job. I tell them about, I say, listen, I want to share something with you. Johnny's had some challenges in his past, but here's what we can tell you. He's come to class for us on a continual basis. He has a good attitude. He's been a team player. He's shown up. He's done what he's supposed to do. I think it's equally as important, and I don't mean that we prepare these folks, that we set them up for success. Because guess what, Desmond and Zay? 
there are going to be the stories that that are sell that sell to that business. And if you do it right, we won't have to tell the story, Desmond. That employer will say, "Listen, I need ten more quittins. I need five more quittins." Because I believe in the long-term play. So prepare them first. Make sure they're prepared for that job. Make sure they do a good job. If you do that, not only will that story resonate throughout that organization, that employer will come on the road with you and help tell that story. And I've had that happen to me before as well. So I think it's a full cycle of how we get this message out to the community. Well, hey, Newt, can I do a quick follow-up on that, that question? We had, a, we had a guest on last week who was an employer who was talking about how much he enjoys returning citizens being on the team and seeing that, you know, Hey, somebody clamoring for that second chance, right. It's like a great employee to your point. It's like, if you're an employer, yeah. it's, it's about, man, I got to run my business. Um, what are those moments? Like when you're working with an employer, when all of a sudden you see that, that shift, you know, where, where all of a sudden they're like, maybe I'll do it. Or like you're, you're developing the relationship to suddenly it's like, man, I am all in on this stuff. And they're looking for that's more right. attorneys. That's citizens. right. They're like, like that's right. Guys, I need some more quittance. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, I'll tell you, it, it's a beautiful moment and, 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 and you pay attention to it um, and you see it happen. But I start with giving confidence with what their challenge is. I'm not going to sell them on what my quote unquote problem is. It, you know, I'll tell you, and I give credit to um, the former secretary of labor who to always say Newton, it's about you don't train in hope, right? You first find out what the employers need. Fine. Secretary Tom Perez, that was it. We had a kind of a, kind of, kind of conversation with him at, at the Washington department of labor who funds a lot of our programs. And he talked about that a lot, way too often, uh, understandably so, we have compassion for these people and we lead with compassion. But you got to understand, if you get a business person that has some compassion, great. I think that's a luxury, but their primary pain point is run their business. You know, we as organizations that we, we as we run our organizations, we have compassion too, but let's not kid ourselves. We need some things done and compassion will only get you so far. I really try to lean on meeting people what, what their needs are. And I start off with making sure to talk to the business. Johnny can do the job. He shows up on time. He's reliable. He earned this certification. We didn't give it to him. He earned it. We start with that. And I will tell you, Neil, that's where I start to see that tinkle in the eye, that confidence. Because we're, we're relieving a burden for them. And then I think after they do that and they learn about the gentleman's story or the woman's story, then the compassion kicks in. And that's how we get them. But I think you must start with filling the person's void. If you don't do that, it's like any relationship. You can be in agreement, but it's more important to be in alignment. And that alignment happens with listening carefully. What is the pain point of this employer? And it's having talented people. We all have that challenge. And if you can get them past that hurdle, you'll have an ambassador for a lifetime. And we have several employers that do just that for us. Man, that's wow. powerful. That's wow. So, Newt, let me ask you. Um, I know we talked about the, the employment piece, but could you speak a little bit about the education piece? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, it's so interesting, gentlemen, when... It saddens me yet I get encouraged about it because it's where our value proposition kicks in. I will tell you, in 20 years of leading this organization, one of the things that's most disheartening to me is over 90% of the people, when you when they come into our organization, 
and you start off with, how can I help you? What are you looking to accomplish? What do you, what do you want to do? What kind of job do you want? 90% of the time, gentlemen, it's, well, I'll just take anything. I did some car, I wash cars, I do this. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. Your life deserves more than that. Oh we live in one of the best, listen, our country is flawed in some ways, but let's not kid ourselves. We still live in one of the best countries in the world. And there's so much opportunity out here. You shouldn't be saying, I'm just going to take anything. You're worth more than that. We're going to introduce you to your innate talents and abilities through evidence-based assessments. We're going to help to mitigate your barriers. Some of them may be mental health issues. Some of them may be substance abuse issues. But we're going to really dig into those things to really introduce you to purpose. Because, gentlemen, I believe 70% of this battle is building up their self-esteem. So often they're hunched over, they're not confident, they're not sure anybody's going to really give them a chance. A lot of times we work with folks fresh out of the penal system, and in fact, most of our programs, we start going to them prior to release. Because I want to mitigate that stress that when I come out, nobody's going to be there for me, what's going to happen. So I want to meet you at that stress point behind bars, but you know you got a soft place to land. So for us, Desmond, it starts with evidence-based assessments. It's introducing them to a new vision for their lives because they had their aspirations have been really, really killed because their future seems so dim and dark for a lot of reasons. So I want to re-energize that life. Once I do that, I sell them on the notion of, I understand you want a job today. But what I want to introduce you to is giving you a skill set Give teaching you how to fish. So you, I hope you never need OIC ever again. If you do, we're here for you. But it's really starting, Des, with teaching them about, let's forget not just having a job. And I know you need to eat today. And we can talk about our social enterprise, how we give them jobs intermediately and or give them support services so they have something to eat. But I start this process as we're convincing them and introducing them on the value of educating themselves Earning a credential that will feed them for a lifetime. And that's how that process goes. Well, I got to say, listening to you does just remind me of uh, last week for some reason because we're talking to these employers, especially returning citizen employers. And we asked them last week about, you know, hey, what was your secret to success? Or what was that one thing that kicked in? And I got to tell you, like, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, I started networking. I made the relationship with that bank. And they all went back to what you just said. They're like, man, I was looking in the mirror. It was yep. like, man, I had, had this thing in me that I had to kind of work out. And then everything changed from there. So I love how you center yourself on, 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 the, on the real lives of the people that you're working with. I do have an interesting question because I, I, your organization, like, you started talking Talking about the beginning of it, right? Like, and uh, it, but you've gone through massive growth. I know a lot of the folks who are listening and, and, and watching this are, are, are in the nonprofit community as well. Uh, what was it like for you to manage that kind of growth as a leader, right? To go from like you got over 100 employees, if I understand it right now, and it started a whole lot smaller than that. So, right. how would you manage that, like, without kind of lose? No, well, I'm just curious how you manage that. You, you know, it, 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 as cliche as this may sound, it's one step, one season at a time. I remember where I said, man, you know, we could just get to 20 employees and I'll be happy. And then I got there. Then I said, man, we could just get to 50 employees, the kind of impact we could make. 
And you know, the, the more you grow, we're, we're naturally, we're, we're naturally, you know, the human beings we believe in in, in sequence. We believe in evolution. So you always want to grow. But the growth for me wasn't about monetary gain. It's about the vision that continued to grow for the impact we could make. I figured the more people I had on my team, it would align with a, a pretty aggressive vision I have to serve more people. And so for me, it was a lot of sequences, Neil. It, it was building the infrastructure. It was hiring a management team who believed in your vision, but also had the compassion for the people. That's the first thing I look for. If you don't got the compassion, I don't care if you're an accountant and you may never serve a student in your life. I need to know that you believe in this mission of elevating people because I need that spirit to permeate through every nickel and dime, through every pencil we buy. If you don't believe in our people, it won't work. And I think throughout the years, that's been the secret for success for us. Finding people who share the passion for elevating mankind. I didn't, you know, there were some folks who we hired that we didn't get right, who would give people just these menial jobs, Burger King, Popeyes, et cetera. And no knock on those places. I eat them sometimes still when my wife's not looking, but don't tell her I said that, by the way. <laughs> but for me, I wanted to elevate the confidence of people we were engaging, as I said, inspiring them, giving them a sense of greater hope, preparing them so they have the tools necessary because as we know, aspiration without preparation leads to frustration. And so just sequentially sharing the vision with different strategic members of the community. I will tell you, one of the secret sauces for us too, Neil, was I made a decision uh, 17 and some odd years ago to focus on federal funding because I felt that it gave it, the federal funding formula, the funding pops were bigger access to cash was immediate. You can get the funding overnight. And weirdly enough, I found people were fighting for the smaller pots here locally. But the more federal funding I got, I got more credence incredibly local with local funders. And so that tied together as well. So Neil, there is no one true answer, um, but it's a sequence of things. It's finding people who share their passion and compassion. It's a whole lot of hard work and perseverance. And one step at a time, you continue to grow your organization. Yo, Newt, I know people can hit the rewind button, right? But, man, you, you listen, you said something wrong just a few seconds ago. Say that aspiration thing again, right? Aspiration turns yeah. into what? Talk to me. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and, and I don't want to take full credit for this. Our founder, Reverend Sullivan, said aspiration without integration um, leads to frustration, right? No, yeah, I'm sorry. Integration without preparation leads to frustration. I kind of revolutionize it in my own way. I think people's aspiration, what you yearn for to be, what you aspire to get out of life, your goals, your intent, your desires, that hunger you have is your aspiration. Yes. yes. But if you don't prepare... Everybody wants to, you know, wear the bling bling. Everybody wants the shiny suit, the fast car, but nobody talks about what it's going to take to get there. We all know that success costs, man. In fact, success and comfort never coexists. I had the pleasure of being a commencement speaker for City College this past weekend, and I shared with them, I said, look, you got to remember something. Um, you guys are experiencing now and during trying to get through COVID while trying to get your degree. You just, you went through a lot. But a lot of times, Des and Neil, 
we think these things are happening to us when they're really happening for you. Mm. And so if you hang on, if you dig into that spirit of perseverance uh, and you realize you can aspire all you want, but you're going to have to pay a price. So again, aspiration without preparation leads to frustration. Ah, uh, man, I, I, <laughs> success <up>? and comfort <laughs> never coexist. I mean, you're just killing us here, man. I mean, that, I that was right on. I thought I was doing my thing with the prior plan of prevention, physical <laughs> performance. So I'm going to have to write that down and use that uh, in, 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 in the future. But listen, here's the thing. I'm, I'm still curious, you know, and uh, I, I, I cannot have this show in without asking. Talk sure. about the number of people that have gone through the educational piece. As sure. Well as the number of people that have gone through the employment piece. And if okay. I'm not mistaken, you got another piece that deals with our at-risk youth, right? That's right. That's right. So I'm I, I'm telling like like that uh, TIP song, the Let Tip Brag a Bit, right? I That's need, right. I need you to because here's the deal. I already set you up and told folks, man, you're the baddest man I know in the country, right? Oh, gee, right? that's a lot of That's pressure. What I'm them. So I really want to talk about the numbers, right? And then let's let's deal with the numbers for a minute. Sure. Talk about and, and talk about the impact that it has sure. on real people's lives. No problem. So there's three facets of our organization. The first one is our Youth and Family Services Division. Um, as I just felt like um, years ago, me and my board talked about this, that we didn't want to be reactive. Dealing with returning citizens mean they had already made some mistakes, gone down a bad path, et cetera, et cetera. So we said, how do we get out in front of this to prevent young people of our community from coming into the penal system, et cetera, et cetera? And so we got into the business of programs, prevention programs. So we would do after school programs, working with kids to begin to just begin to aspire to go to college and to get an education. A lot of times, again, uh, people's aspirations are informed by the community they're in. You sometimes what you think is possible is only and oftentimes informed by your community. So if you live in an impoverished community. Harvard, what you mean? I can't do that. That ain't for me. College, that ain't for me. To be a doctor, I can't do that. People like me don't do those kinds of things. And we wanted to change their story in terms of what they thought was possible. So that's our youth and family service inside. And over the last 20 years, we've served 30,000 young people. 30,000, that number is, and continuing to grow. Like we just another won another $1.2 million award. 24 hours ago to expand that project as well. Some of that program also includes a teen pregnancy prevention program that we do a lot of. And I know people might say, well, what on earth does teen pregnancy have to do with poverty alleviation? Well, if you think about studying the contributors to the vicious cycles of poverty, teen pregnancy is a big one. Think about it. Young people's career and academic goals can be derailed greatly by having a child at a very young age. Mm -hmm. In addition to that adult, young person, kid who has a kid, the child is now born into a circumstance to make it pretty difficult because that young parent is pretty ill fit. I want to be clear to anybody listening to me, anybody who may have had a child at a young age that was not expected it does not mean your life is over. Organizations like ours, theirs, and others will come along and support you. But I suspect people would agree with me that if you had a choice 
to not have a child at 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, it would be in your best interest to get yourself a footing, a base of education, your career, et cetera, before you do that. That's the youth and family services side. On the adult side, we serve 2,700, about 2,700 adults a year. And over the years, 10,000 plus of those individuals have gone through our various workforce programs, earned a livable wage, got a good job, and gone on to do better things. But I'll tell you, man, I can't tell you this, how, how beautiful it is, Neil, that when we when I'm in Walmart, when I'm in wherever I'm at, and you run into people who you've placed on a job, I'll tell y'all a very quick story. I was going through Walmart. I'm not a big Walmart guy, but I had to be in Walmart with my wife. And there was a lady and she was walking towards us and she started pointing towards me. Mm-hmm. She was coming full speed. So you know how you, I'm from Dave County, so you somebody start walking fast toward you, start to buckle up. Like, what's going on, right? Especially and, in South Florida. Yeah, you're right. And I'm saying to myself, then she starts to point and she says, oh, you, it's you, it's you. And I'm saying, oh my, what, who is this lady? Fast forward, she had a, a, a cart full of groceries and supplies, and she said, I went through OIC, and I remember you, and I've gotten three promotions since then, and all this food and stuff in my basket, it came because you guys gave me my first job, and I've been promoted, et cetera. That's, Neil, that's the magic, man. That, that That's what keeps me coming back for more. Um, when, especially, it's so interesting. When every time we get a job with somebody that requires for them to wear a uniform, they always wear that uniform and come back to the office yes, to man. show you that they've arrived, man. And they will light the freaking room up with pride, beaming so much from when you first met them, when their shoulders were down, their head was down, and when they wear that uniform and show up to work and show you that they made it. Now, all of a sudden, they want to teach the class to as a Neil. Before, they, they, they weren't believers. Now they ask me, can they come be a public speaker for the class? And But it's a beautiful thing, man, and it's something that we embrace. Our final facet of our organization is the Social Enterprise Corporation, man, a for-profit entity where we had the vision for it four years ago where we go after contracts and we hire our own people. And I'm proud to share with you, we have 87 staff on that company we pay everybody $17 an hour. And after nine months of employment, we negotiate a deal with the county. They can go on to apply to work for the county. Now they're making pension, retirement, health care, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the three arms and legs of our of our organization. Well, man, I got to tell you, oh, yeah. the, the vision you just cast, when, when I hear it, the combination of the woman coming up to you at the Walmart with those numbers, I'm thinking Dolphin Stadium full of just people whose lives have been changed by OIC, your leadership was going, I mean, that is what's up. And as a, uh, you know, I worked at a place, but when, uh, when I met Des, I was working at a place that em- uh, employed people through social enterprises. So I think, man, what an innovative way, right, to help create wealth, to sustain the, the, you know, an organization that's helping people in the community, man, that's, that's, that's what's up right there. Yeah, excellent. I think it's more than just the Dolphin Stadium. I yeah, think there's about two, three Dolphin Stadiums worth of people whose lives have been impacted, man. And, you know, I remember, I have to tell you, I remember, and as a matter of fact, I talked about this uh, maybe a few days ago to uh, some of even my staff, right, where I was talking about how, man, that OIC has such a, a, a amazing program. My only disappointment was, 
was that that program wasn't made available in every county in the state of Florida, right? Because no matter where a person is released to, they should have an an OIC opportunity, right, to successfully reintegrate, man. And how do we make that happen, bro? You know, Des, I've 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 debated that in in, in my head for a long time, um, and and folks, our your audience should know uh, there are thirty seven OICs throughout the country and thirty three different states, and we have another thirty three OICs internationally, predominantly in Africa. Uh, we have the rights to the entire state of Florida. Um, I served on our national board for a while, et cetera. Um, you know. My ambition goes there a lot sometimes too, Des, but where I reconcile and reel myself back in, the services that our people need, and you all know this better than me, I mean, it's intensive, it's dynamic. And so my whole thing is every time I get a lot of enthusiasm about more growth, 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 I first check myself and say, can you still provide it with the depth and rigor necessary Mm. to deepen impact? And so I'm trying my best to work on fidelity of our programs to make sure every assessment we say we're going to use that we're using them, all of our processes are tight and we're digging into that now. So every time I grow, I try to stop for a minute and focus on, 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 on really content and depth mm-hmm. because you know, we got to be careful because sometimes we're ambitious people, and if you just keep growing just to grow to so say you got this many staff, this big of a budget, yeah, that's cute, but what's your impact? Did you dilute your service? Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at, Des. I'm really focused on continuing to focus on the rigor before I take another level of growth. And hopefully we get that one day. Hopefully one day we can have a lot more OICs in the state. Well, I got another million-dollar two-part question for you, Dan. Sure. Does OIC... Ban the box or hire people with previous felony convictions? I You couldn't ask a better question. <laughs> Listen, I will tell you, um, and this is just one of several I'll share with you. Mm-hmm. The second longest staff person at our organization outside of me is a former student who's a returning citizen who's been with me for 16 years. Come on. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's 16 up. years she's been with me. That's what's up. And in and, and addition to that, that's why I, one of the reasons I started the social enterprise company there is because I'm going to take my Department of Labor, the Luca Foundation, Jim Moran Foundation, um, TD Bank, I'll make sure I forget all my funders, all of the funds that they give me to train our people and get them prepared for the workforce, I get to hire them. I don't have to hope people hire our folks. And guess what, there's 100% of those 87 people on that social enterprise company, 100%, not 99.9, are returning citizens. Wow. 100%. Wow, that is amazing, man. That is really amazing. You know, um, listen, I, I got to throw this in because I know Neil have a couple questions, but I got to ask this huge favor of yours, right? Sure, sure. So I know that you are on the Orange Bowl Committee, right? Yes, sir. All right, you just need to do me this one big favor, bro. Okay. 
Whatever it is that you do, do not invite the Ohio State Buckeyes. Stop it. <laughs> keep them, please keep them out of our stadium down there in South Florida. No, 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 Des is just still angry. I don't appreciate what they did to them Hurricanes in the Super in the Sugar Bowl many years ago, and, and, and I don't think that they have felt the consequences right of, of, of their. Uh, 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 Dashly deeds, the right? single greatest <laughs> in sports history. That that ref was amazing. You can bring anybody else. You can bring anybody else, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't let the well, well, come back down. I, I, I listen. I, I will talk to the the powers to be in the heavens because. That's the only person who knows who's going to end up in the Orange Bowl. So look, I, I will tell you, man, it's an honor to serve on the Orange Bowl. It's it's probably uh, probably the most you know statute organization of execs in the Tri County area. But just a bunch of humble executives, man, who just believe in service. Um, you know, our, our current president Jack Sile and our CEO Eric Pond, but they're just some phenomenal human beings, man. That's for me. At this stage of my life, that's what I care about. I, I like to work with people who really care about community. Now, listen, we're all businessmen and women, but I believe you can do good and do well at the same time. And so I'm proud to serve on the Orange Bowl. I think we do a lot for this community, more than people know. Uh, you know about the parks that we dedicate in urban communities. So these young brothers and sisters can have an opportunity to have a park with some pride, Right. Um, and we do so much for the Leadership Academy, girls basketball, et cetera. So um, I appreciate the acknowledgement. It's an honor to serve on the Orange Bowl. Yeah, man, it is. It is fantastic. And I know that we're going to have to wrap up this conversation, but now you're bringing up the Orange Bowl. I remember Sammy Watkins from Fort Myers torching my Buckeyes. So now I'm feeling a little triggered. But, but, but I have a quick question, right? I'm, I'm fascinated with, with your journey, man, and, and, and just listening to you talk about kind of your funders and, you know, the banks that you work with. How, how do you strike that balance, right, where it's like build, build, build in the community, build that authenticity, you know, with folks, you know, who you're working with and helping and, 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 and clearing pathways so folks can jump into their dreams and at the same time keep those relationships going that you got, you know, in the funder community with the business community. Man, that can't be easy. Yeah, yeah, there, there's there's nothing easy about it. I, I won't kid anybody, but, but I got to tell you, man, it's it's those moments. It's those moments where, you know, I come in in the morning or whether I'm you know going to use the restroom or whatever. And you see that student who you recognize from day one orientation. Um, they, orientation is always intriguing to me because you see the looks of despair. Because they're not sure. These people have been beat down for a long time. They may be recently released from incarceration. There is this stigma that's hanging over their head. They're sleeping on the, the, the couches of their mothers, fathers, brothers, and sisters. I remember a brother telling me how he was sleeping on his sister's couch, and he overheard uh, her and her boyfriend in the room talking about how he has to get out and how ashamed and how, how much it hurt him. And, and, and Neil, when we give them that first job um, that is paying a livable wage, when they earn that first certification, man, I got to tell you, uh, nothing about what I and my team do is easy. Um, but those moments, they charge you like you wouldn't believe. When I partner with, with Des and, you know, getting the fines and fees paid 
Man, I tell you, that's why I mean, I, I tell you, I got so much love for Des, man. It's his brother was at my my grand opening on his birthday. Come on, man! <laughs> it's all those pieces that give you encouragement. It's some days you have bad days, but all these little pieces you just bite. It's called, I think of it like Pac Man, right? Where they they bite the pellet. It's these one pellets at a time, and they fuel you, they energize you, and they give you the perseverance you need to continue on. And last but not least, I look in the mirror and I realize how blessed I am and how much I've been afforded. Um, something as simple as when I get out of my car and I have a key to take out and put it in a home that my, me and my family enjoy. And when I think about the fact that I'm given that blessing and those who don't have that, it goes from not just uh, responsive, not just opportunity, but responsibility, man. Like, how do you not help somebody else when you live in a blessed life and you've been given so much? So all those contributing factors will keep me going. Well, thank, wow. thank you, man. Thank man, you. Thank you so much. Newton. Let me tell you, man. I mean, it's just amazing what you and your organization is doing. And we can't help but to want to be a part of that, man. And anytime we have an opportunity to partner with OIC, you best believe FRC. Man, we're going to be there. You know what I'm saying? Because yes, you're just doing amazing work. But thank you so much for coming on our show. We really appreciate uh, the work that you're doing. You tell your staff we say what's up, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> you, got, you yes, got a cool staff, man. You really do. Uh, thank you. Know we say what's up, man. And we're looking forward to a very prosperous future together where we're working uh, collectively to empower our communities and to definitely empower returning citizens. Yeah, and listen, thank you all so much for having me. Look, I don't take it for granted, man. I try to earn it every day. I'm proud of what I've accomplished in the past, um, but but I tell my people, look, I'm still getting a paycheck. That means I still got rent to pay to serve this community, and I appreciate uh, the extended hand of friendship that you've always offered, Des, and know with absolute certainty, no doubt, the sentiment is the same. And Neil, it's a pleasure to get to know you. Xavier, you as well. And guys, I look forward to a lot of things we're going to be able to do together. Count on that. Please do count on that. That's what's up, man. Hey, once again, man, you know, hey, we had an amazing show. This is, matter of fact, you know what? I think this is the only podcast where our production team every week get a shout out from either the guests or, or the hosts. Now we got, <laughs> we got Brandon, man, let me tell you, we got an amazing podcast team that helped put this show together. So shout out to Brandon, shout out to Neil, uh, shout out to Xavier uh, for the work that you guys did on putting this uh, show together and getting my man Newton Seven. Come on, thank you, the Newton. Man, what a man. show tonight, man. We got into yes, it. Yes, indeed. Yes, he is. Yes, indeed. Yes, he is. All right, y'all take care. God bless you guys. Look forward to working with you in the future. Okay. God bless Peace you too, out. man. Take care. Take care. What do you think, Neil? Man, this was, that was that, that was, was cool. yeah. Yeah, I, I just love the encouragement that comes along with a conversation like that, but also like the nuggets of like serious wisdom, yeah. those sayings and everything, yeah. man. I'm hoping people actually caught the the impact, the significance of the impact that the work you know OIC has been doing in the community. I mean, giving people jobs, getting people skills and trades and education, and I mean. Careers, yeah, right? and, and their oh creativity yeah. to kind of like figure it out, you know, like oh, we're gonna set up the social yeah. enterprise, and everybody who works there gonna be somebody's a returning citizen because that's, that's how we're gonna do it. Well, while we making money, we making space to help other folks. Man, that is 
That is huge, man. Yeah. That is huge. Huge, huge win wow. for the community having OIC, man. I mean, what yeah. a deal. This was a good follow-up for my our, our last show, man, you know? Yeah, that's right. And actually, it got me excited about our next one, man. So, you know, I think that, you know, we, we got to keep this ball rolling, right? So when we talk about how are we removing obstacles to either democracy or to the economy, you know, the housing, to jobs and all this kind of stuff, man, we just did, what, employment? Uh, we did a little bit of education. Now, I think next week we need to talk about democracy, man. That's exactly right. I, I'm excited man, to be talking listen, about that. I'm going to get on my phone soon we get off this show. I'm going to get off my phone and I'm going to make a call to North Carolina. Because I, man, listen, oh, I don't you're know letting if you it caught out. the news. You're letting it out the bag. A, there, was a big new, there was a big story coming out of North Carolina where. Huge story. Huge. I mean, that huge court case that now allowed like tens and thousands of returning citizens who are on parole or probation to be able to vote. Come on. So you're talking about months ago there were tens of thousands of people who couldn't be heard. Now they can be heard. Now they can. Oh, my God. So I, I'm going to call up to North Carolina see if I could track that person down that was responsible for arguing that case in, in front of the, uh, the judges. I think it was in the appellate court or something like the trial court. And I'm going to see if we can get that person on, man. I'm excited, you know? man. I'm excited. What do you think? I, that's, right? I can't wait. Like, yeah. I want to do it right now. And, hey. I, and I do just want to do a big shout out to everybody who's listening, man. Yeah. This is this is your show, right? Like, we're talking about issues that matter to us. Yeah. You know, subscribe definitely, definitely. to YouTube. You know, these guys, man, we, we're, we're, we're doing everything we can to listen. And if you've got ideas, man, send them our way. We appreciate them. Yeah, please do, man. Listen, and if you haven't already, you've got to tell your friend, you got to tell your family, you got to tell your wife, your girlfriend, your baby mama, your cousin to download the Fireside Chat app. You've got to download that app. And listen, don't be like me and download the wrong app, right? You've got to download the right app. And on that icon, you're going to see a picture of uh, actually a couple people's picture on there. One of them will be of Mark Cuban, uh, the uh, owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Go to the App Store, download the Fireside Chat app to have your friends and your family and your loved ones be able to tune in uh, to our show. Well, can't wait to see you guys next week. Yep, it's yeah. on. It's on. I'm getting on that phone immediately. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Desmond. Man, thank you, Neil. Appreciate it, man. Another good thank night. Thank you for, once again, the production team of, of Zay. Zay, uh, Brandon. And Brandon, Woo. thank you all for putting this thing together for us, man. Y'all are killing it. it. Yes, you are. All right. Peace. Peace.